G'day Grace Covenant Church. My name is Aaron Daniel. My wife and I and our three children are here praying for our time together. A little bit about ourselves before I get into the message. We live in Raymond Terrace, New South Wales, Australia. That's about two hours north of Sydney. Our home church is in our local town of Raymond Terrace, Raymond Terrace Community Church. And Shelley and our oldest two serve in the children and youth ministry while I serve on the pastoral team of our local church. For the last almost six years, though, I've served full time with Ambassadors for Christ International here in Australia. And my main focus with Ambassadors is on an initiative called Evangelism Shift. Our vision is to see churches across the world uh, with a culture amongst their people of living as a witness and calling others to respond to faith in Christ. And it's just amazing to see what God is doing through Evangelism Shift as we partner with churches for a couple of years, working with their leadership teams and helping their leadership teams work with their congregations in developing a culture of witnessing amongst their people. And what do I mean by a culture of witnessing? Well, if you were to uh, come to a, a church who had this culture, you'd only have to be there for a couple of weeks. And from what is shared, from what is spoken about, the testimonies you're hearing, the conversations that are taking place, within a very short time, you would know, okay, this church, to belong here, uh, I'm going to be living as a witness. And this church is going to help me develop that lifestyle. That's what we mean by culture. And a lot of people, when they hear of evangelism shift or even the word evangelism, there's often one of two reactions. Some people get super excited about evangelism, whilst others, and this is probably the majority, uh, tend to steer away from it or are even petrified at the thought of, a, of evangelism. And that's often because we think of evangelism as helping people take the last step in their faith journey towards Christ, helping them cross the line, so to speak, and be converted, uh, memorizing the four spiritual laws and, and saying it in a way that they understand. And yes, evangelism does include a clear presentation of the gospel and doesn't, does, evangelism doesn't finish until people understand the gospel and respond to it. But we help churches shift the way they think about evangelism in helping people go on a relational journey with non-believers as they go on a journey towards Christ. And so it's shifting the way we think about evangelism. So uh, I love the work of Ambassadors for Christ and uh, particularly evangelism shift. And I am convinced that with everything that's going on in the world with COVID-19 and um, other things as well, uh, I'm convinced that there has never been a more significant time in our lives for believers to be witnessing for Jesus. And um, the COVID-19, it's no surprise to our God who is sovereign in control of all things. God hasn't gone into self-isolation and God's purpose for the church hasn't changed and his purpose for you and I has not changed. And the message I want to share with you this morning is 
actually the foundational message that we teach when it comes to evangelism shift. It's one of the, uh, uh, our messages, but it's the foundational message. And I want to begin by asking you a question. Uh, if you're uh, with family, feel free to discuss this with them or just ponder it for a moment yourself. But this is the question. What are God's three biggest purposes for the church in the world today? How would you respond? I'll give you a moment. I'll say that again. What are God's three biggest purposes for the church in the world today? I'll give you a moment to think about it. Well, if we were together, I'd be getting responses from you. But uh, because we're on a digital platform, I can't get those responses. But when we think about this question, uh, it's not too hard to answer this question because there are some really big passages of Scripture that answer it. Uh, you may have thought of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, where Jesus says to his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you and that promise, lo, I'll be with you always. And without a doubt, one of the biggest purposes for the church in the world today is to make disciple makers. Or you may have, may have thought of the great commandment where Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And he says the second's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So yes, um, one of the purposes of the church is to love God with all of our heart and to love the world around us. Uh, you may have, may have thought of Paul's writings and in 1 Corinthians 10, he, he says that whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And I'd say amen to that. You know, one of the purposes of the church is to uh, bring glory to God in all that we do. Disciple making, loving God, bringing him glory, all great answers. Um, but the question becomes much more difficult when we bring it down to the personal level, doesn't it? When we ask ourselves, um, what is God's purpose for me right now at this point in my life? It's a little trickier, isn't it? Because we're all so different and are facing different choices, different challenges, different stresses, different opportunities. Um, and it, it, now with COVID-19, you know, uh, another situation where we go, Lord, what's my purpose in all of this? How, how do you want me to live my life? I believe that the answer to that question, God, what's your purpose for me? is found in coming to a very clear sense of my own sentness. You say, well, Aaron, what do you mean by sentness? And the teachers amongst us would say, that's not even a word, sentness. Well, by that I mean that every one of us needs to recognize that I personally have been sent by Jesus into every encounter with every person in every circumstance of my life to represent him. That's what I mean when I talk about sentness. And this idea that you have been sent by Jesus into every conversation with every person you encounter in life shouldn't come 
as a surprise when you consider what you know about the nature of God himself. Think about it. What is the most basic thing we know about God? Well, he's a trinity of three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, think about what we know about how each of these persons of the Godhead relate to each other as it has to do with humanity. I want to make three observations about the Godhead and this idea of sentness. And the first one is, the Father sent the Son into the world with a redemptive purpose. The Father sent the Son into the world. Now, you say, well, that's no big surprise, Aaron. Well, he sent him into the world to be his witness and to purchase our forgiveness, yes. But also, Jesus viewed every encounter with every person in every circumstance of his life as something he had been sent to. You know, when we... Um, the Evangelism Shift team, when we first started thinking about this concept of sentness, we did a computer search for every use of the word sent in the Gospel of John. And what we found absolutely staggered us. So if you, if you got your Bible there, grab uh, your Bibles, open your Bibles up. Um, we're going to be doing a, a quick survey through parts of the Gospel of John. And you may want to have a pen with you just to underline the word sent each time we discover it in the scriptures. So you've got your Bibles, you're ready to go. Well, in chapter one, in verse six, we read, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is John the Baptist. And I believe you could put your own name there in John's place. But it's, it's not too far into the book of John, John three, that we see Jesus having this amazing conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to him at night and he says, Rabbi, we can see that you are sent from God because um, you're doing things that other people can't do. And Jesus says to him uh, in this conversation, in verse 17 of chapter 3, he says, For God did not send, there it is, underlined it, the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. You know, Nicodemus, when you came to me at night, I immediately recognized that the Father was sending me into a special conversation with you. I immediately put my antenna up to the Father with the question, Father, what do you want to do through me in Nicodemus's life? That sense of sentness is why I need to say to you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. The very next chapter, Jesus uh, is traveling and he, they had to go through Samaria. Chapter four tells us of John and weary and tired. He sits down by the well and his disciples go into the town to grab some food. And the Samaritan woman comes out and Jesus has this amazing conversation with this Samaritan woman. I wish we had time to unpack that a little bit, but um, we don't. So, But after that amazing conversation with the woman at the well, when the disciples arrived with food and Jesus told them that he had food to eat that they didn't know about and they wondered where he'd gotten the food, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me 
and to accomplish his work. That's in verse 34. My will, that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Guys, I was absolutely exhausted and hungry when I sent you to get food, but something has happened that has energized me. When this Samaritan woman arrived to draw water and showed an openness in conversation, I I immediately recognized that the Father had sent me into this woman's life. I made myself available for sentness and found the Father directing the conversation and doing a deep work in this woman's life. It was amazing. Doing what I was sent into the world has energized me. Now, when when we keep reading through John's Gospel. Um, Six times in chapter 5, Jesus talks about his sentness. Five times in chapter 6. Again, multiple times in chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, chapters 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Up to seven times in one chapter. It's clear, it's absolutely clear that if there is One thing that really stood out to the Apostle John when he thought back to those days with Jesus, it was that Jesus was always referring to his own sentness. In fact, in almost every encounter Jesus had with people in the Gospel of John, he refers to his own sentness. Jesus is making it clear he was sent to bear witness to the Father. When you wear sunglasses, you see everything with the colour of the tint in the lenses, don't you? Well, Jesus was wearing scent glasses when he walked around on this earth. Jesus saw everything in his life through the tint of his scentness. When he faced difficult circumstances, he didn't shake his fist to the Father and say, How could you let this happen to me? No, we don't see that at all. He, he viewed those circumstances through the tint of sentness. Father, why have you sent me into this difficult circumstance and how do you want to use me in it? When he encountered the woman at the well or when Nicodemus came to him at night, he recognized that he had been sent into those conversations and that made a huge difference in how He talked to people. The Father sent the Son into the world. But notice also that the Father and the Son sent the Spirit into the world. That's our second observation. First observation, the Father sent the Son into the world. Second, the Father and the Son sent the Spirit into the world. When you are looking at sentness in the Gospel of John and you arrive at chapter 14, Jesus begins introducing the disciples to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to verse 26 in chapter 14. Verse 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. The Father sending the Spirit... In Jesus' name. Okay, in verse 26 of the very next chapter, chapter 15. Have you got it? Verse 26 of chapter 15 says these words. When the Helper comes, whom I will send 
to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Spirit bearing witness about Jesus. This is a really significant truth to understand and for us as believers to, to recognize. It means that the Holy Spirit is not just hanging around waiting for us to tap into him for power to accomplish whatever is on our agenda. Not at all. He's operating in this world with the same laser beam sense of sentness that Jesus had. What does that mean for us? Well, if you want to experience his power in your life, then you must be in step with him living with his same purpose. According to the book of Acts, what were Jesus' last words to the followers before ascending into heaven? In Acts 1 and verse 8, um, it tells us, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it, to receive power? We all say amen to that. But what is the power for? So that we can be powerful people? Not at all. Read the rest of the statement. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. What is the power for? Being Jesus' witness. All right then. First, the Father sent the Son. Second, the Father and the Son sent the Spirit. Can you guess what comes next? Here it is. The Father and the Son and the Spirit are sending you. When you keep reading through the Gospel of John looking for sentness, after Jesus teaches about uh, the sentness of the Holy Spirit, he says to them, let me pray for you. And in John 17, we read this prayer. Jesus prays for his followers, uh, both the 12 he has been training, but also those of us who will believe in him in the future. And in the middle of that prayer, in verse 18, verse 18 of John 17, he says to the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now, what place has both Jesus and us been sent? Into the world, right? Yes, God has placed you in a church family to grow and also to contribute, but the primary arena of your sentness is in the world. So let me ask you this. Where have you been focusing all your ministry energy? Have you been focusing all your ministry energy on the church and missing your other place of sentness, the world? It's a challenge for each of us, isn't it? You have been sent by Jesus into every interaction with every person in every circumstance in every day of your life. When I came to understand this truth of being sent by God, I had been a believer for many years. And when I come to understand this, uh, it, it gave me a profound sense of purpose. It also gave me a profound sense of confidence, knowing that 
Jesus had sent me into situations so he was with me when I responded in obedience to him in those relationships. And to know that Jesus had sent me into those relationships to bear witness for him also gave me excitement as to how God may use these relationships for his glory. It wasn't easy though. It didn't come straight away and it took time for me to develop this sense of sentness in my everyday life. And I continue to develop it as the years go by. But there's been a few things that have been a significant help to me. One of them has definitely been evangelism shift. But I want to give you three things for us to, uh, for you to consider in developing this sense of sentness in your life particularly in these days when uh, the world is so broken and lost and fearful over what the future holds, uh, particularly around COVID-19. So I want to give you three things, three things for all of us to be doing to live and to develop this sense of sentness in our own lives. The first thing is to invest time with God. Now, this is just basic 101 Christianity, um, being in his word daily and prayerfully being in his word, not just being in his word to tick, tick the box. Yep, I've done that today. Let's move on. No, Lord, what are you wanting to show me today and how can I apply this in my life and how can I share this with those around me, particularly those who don't know you, but also other believers? Now, ambassadors for Christ, we have... A fantastic email that goes out each day called Time with God. You can sign up to that on our website or uh, you can ask Pastor Chad for my email address and I'd gladly send you the link. Uh, we also have practical evangelism blogs also available on our website, which also help you to with practical tips about how to live as a witness every day of your life. But the greatest source for you to understand who God is, is the word of God himself and spending personal time with him in prayer. I'd also encourage you uh, when in your attempts to invest time with God, unplug from media and plug into podcasts. There's Christian speakers and podcasts that you can plug into. Um, and again, uh, Pastor Chad would be able to recommend some suitable ones and appropriate ones for you. And also, too, I'd encourage you, let's all intentionally take time to be still in creation and know that he is God. This morning, uh, before in my preparation for talking to you guys, I was just sitting on my lounge with a window open, just being still. And this willy wagtail bird came up on the balcony and just began to sing. And I was reminded of Matthew 6, where uh, we are told uh, that... Uh, Look how the Lord looks after the birds of the field and how much more does he love us? How much more will he care for us, particularly in these days? It was a great encouragement just being still. So first, invest time with God. Be intentional in that. And secondly, invest time with each other, other believers. Now, we may have to observe distancing and we may have to do that differently. It might be a phone call or Facebook or Messenger or uh, Zooming, 
whatever means, but let's intentionally continue to spend time with each other. And what do we do when we spend time with each other? Okay, we can talk about um, uh, different types of things, but I want to encourage you uh, in two specific ways. As you spend time with others, other believers, share with them what God has been speaking to you about in your time with him each day. Um, what have you been reading? What, how have you been encouraged? How have you been challenged, rebuked? Share that with uh, two or three others. I want to encourage you to approach two others for accountability in this in your church. And the three of you meet regularly or over Zoom or calling each other and keeping each other accountable. But also to uh, be praying for each other in your relationships with non-believers, your friends in the world that you have been sent into a relationship with. So invest time with God in his word each day. Invest time with each other, accountability of what God is showing you and praying for non-believers and praying specifically for non-believers. Um, Thursday night, I was uh, around our lounge room with Shell and the kids. And there's a, a an older gentleman that I know, Glenn, who uh, a few months ago got a diagnosis of illness, which is affecting him profoundly. Uh, and for various reasons, I haven't been able to um, catch up and connect with Glenn. And we prayed very specifically, Lord, will you please connect me with Glenn, however is possible, but would you help me to connect with him uh, because I want to encourage him and journey with him towards you. That was Thursday night. Friday morning, the kids uh, were about to go off to school and we had a knock at the door. Now, who do you think the knock at the door was? It was Glenn. And as I opened up the door, Glenn said, look, Aaron, it's great to see you. Uh, can we please chat? I'm on my way home. I, I'm not up to it today, but can we chat tomorrow? And I said, yep, no worries. On Saturday, we get together. We have a great chat. And it led to him asking, is there something out there? You know, I want to know if God is real. We spoke for a while. I went to scriptures and he asked the question, so God and Jesus, who is it? And so we went to the, the gospel of Mark, where Mark um, talks about Jesus as the son of God and having authority and that we all have a choice to make. So pray specifically with each other for people in your life who don't know Jesus. And thirdly, invest time with others who don't know Jesus. Invest time with God, invest time with each other who, who are believers. And thirdly, invest time with others who don't know Jesus. Um, and in this, let me encourage you that people are not projects. They are precious friends in need of a saviour. There was someone in our life who sowed and spent time invested into our lives for us to understand who Jesus is and our need for him. The mantle has now been passed on to us. One of my brothers-in-law had a serious medical condition a month ago, a heart aneurysm, and it's a miracle he's even alive. He's not yet a believer. But uh, in response to that, I sent out prayer requests around the world and to close friends who I knew would pray specifically for Leaf and uh, my ministry to him and his family during the time. 
Leif has come through that. He's now home. But along that journey, I've been sending them words of encouragement, key verses as I've been spending time in prayer for them each day. And it's beautiful now for Leif to be able to articulate, Aaron, the power of prayer is a wonderful thing. He articulated in a text back to me that um, through that time, he has felt the prayers of the church being like a cocoon wrapped around him in his darkest moment and a wonderful energy. Now, he's on a journey and I'm looking forward to going on that journey with him. But can I encourage you to invest time with others? Um, look out for opportunities to mow your neighbor's lawn. Look out for opportunities to do some grocery shopping for those who can't make it down. Uh, look out for opportunities, questions that people ask, conversation starters that people have. Um, particularly nowadays with people being grounded, people being um, homebound, there are fantastic opportunities for believers not to step back, but to step up to the opportunities God is sending us into. Why do you think God has brought you into a contact with non-believers. He has sent you into those relationships to bear witness for him. You are sent by God into every encounter with every person in every circumstance in every day of your life. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you so much for sending your son. Father God and Jesus, I thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for sending us into the world. We pray that as we go, your power would be at work through us. We ask, Lord, for opportunities we ask, Lord, for eyes to see the opportunities you give us. And Lord, we ask that you'll fill our mouth with words when those opportunities come. Help us in these days to be your hands and feet, your mouthpiece, and to boldly bear witness for you, journeying with people as they journey towards you. For your glory, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.